0: I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read a few scriptures to you, and I want you to be thinking about what these have in common. Okay, Mark eight thirty five. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Okay. Second one, the greatest among you is the servant of all. Kind of like going to the homeless. It's better to give than to receive. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. We can know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And it is, oh, I said it is better to give than to receive. What do these all have in common? Anybody know to know what they're called? Any, They're paradoxes. Right? It's better to give than to receive. The greatest among you is the servant. I'm crucified, but I live. You can know that which surpasses knowledge. And so today we're going to talk about... Chase kind of started talking about last week about... Um, the mystery he was talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory, and it was a great message with a visual of um, he had these i don 't know rubber made boxes, and you know he showed the difference between just being in our sin and and having Christ within us and being completely. Surrounded by who God is, and and he talked about the mystery, and and you know the series that we're going through is the Book of Colossians. We're going through the whole thing. We're taking our time. <laughs> if you guys think this series is long, um, this is going to probably go for about two months. I was listening to this one preacher on on the radio, and he said that there was some some pastor back in the eighteen hundreds. And he went through the book of First Peter and it took him, get this, 16 years wow. to get through the book of First Peter. Can you even imagine? So we're just taking two months, but um, we're getting through Colossians and it almost seems like that's not going to be enough time because this, this book is, it's hefty, man. It's, a, it's jam-packed. And you know, the thing is salvation by grace is, is a kind of a paradox too. Because we are of the mindset that we have to earn our salvation, that we get what we deserve. Don't we think these things? We all think, oh, you know, I mean, I mean, how many of us have even said that? Well, you get what you deserve. But really, thankfully, we don't get what we deserve. Because each and every one of us, whether we admit it or not, deserve hell. We all deserve hell because the Bible says that we've all sinned. Every single one of us has sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God for his glorious gift that he has offered his own son on the cross. So before we get into this, would you um, would you just pray with me and for me? I really want to get out of the way and, and really let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Lord, I am... Uh, I'm so overcome by your, your presence, Lord, in your spirit. Father, I just thank you so much for your promise that you would be with us. And I ask for every single person listening right now, Lord, that they would hear you. They would hear your Holy Spirit speaking to them, changing them, opening their hearts. Bringing them deeper and deeper and deeper into those hidden treasures, Lord, that, that, that come through knowing you. Lord, I ask that I, I would not be in the way. Lord, you know my heart for these, my beloved people. I just pray, Lord, you would speak to them. Speak through me, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I, I don't have anything to offer other than what you bring, Lord. And like your, that song we sang, you bring hope to the hopeless. Lord, you you bring all these peace. Lord, you bring um, joy. Bring those things today and bring, bring knowledge and wisdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. So this morning, we're going to talk about the mysterious plan. I, uh, first of all, I'll just say this. I do not know what God is doing in me right now, but I am really really stirred up. I know that the Lord is is doing something supernatural in me. I I was on the flight home yesterday from Mesa from my parents' house and I I couldn't I just was weeping in the presence of the Lord and just crying out for more of him. And I don't know if that's the season of your life that you're in, but um you know it, the the Bible is is my source. I had a little disagreement with someone last week and, and, you know, I brought up a Bible verse and they're like, you know, don't, don't start in with your, you know, your, all your Bible verses. And I was like, that's really all I have (laughs) is the Bible. And, um, we're going to talk a little bit about, about the mystery and, and the hidden treasures that are contained within it. So we're going to start with Colossians. We're already on chapter two. So, um, chapter two, starting with verse one um through verse seven. So if you have your Bible here, if you don't have a Bible, we always have some back on the soundboard back there. Please help yourself and grab it or there's some up here too. Um, This is the New Living Translation. And it says verse Colossians chapter two, verse one, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We could go home right now. In him lie all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, I am telling you this. Paul is telling the church at Colossae this. He says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you. So remember, the context of this, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He had never actually gone to Colossae. He had never been to the Colossian church. But he had sent his, his, the, the church planter, Epaphras, to go there. He says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you're living as you should. And that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And then what is the result? You will overflow with thankfulness. So starting with verse 1. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you. Now when, when it says this. This is talking about. He, he is yearning for them to understand the depth of, of his, his desire for them to really get it. You know, he really wants them to understand. And, you know, sometimes I, I wonder, you know, I, I like, I, I like to tell you that I pray for you all the time. Um, and I don't do it to puff myself up or to make me look like I'm special or spiritual or whatever, but I want you to know that I pray for you. You guys, and, and, you know, sometimes when I see people that I've seen, you know, that I prayed for individually throughout the week, you know, I, I like to tell you that. And I, and I want you to know the motivation is, is the same here. It's like, I want you to know that, that I agonize in prayer for you. And, and I would hope that you agonize in prayer for other believers. You know, Jesus wants us to agonize in prayer for, for the body of Christ that will hasten the day. Jesus isn't going to come back until the body of Christ is healthy and strong and unified. And right now, we're not anywhere near that point. And so I, he says here, I want you to know. I want you to know. I agonize for you and for the church at Laodicea and For many other believers who've never met me personally. Basically he's saying. I want you to know that I pray for the church. I pray for the body of Christ. And when I say church. I mean capital C church. Not just the church at Colossae. Or the church at Laodicea. He prays for the body of Christ. And we're we're called to pray for the body of Christ. Throughout the entire world. And let me just say this. And I'm going to say this a lot in the next few weeks. I think because this is kind of a theme for me. You know that. A prayerless life is a powerless life. And I'm not saying this to, to shame you, but I'm just saying that if we really believed that God answered our prayers, we would pray more. You know, and, and who knows how many people were praying for Scott before Food for the Soul got there. You know, who knows if he had a mom was home going, oh, God, send workers into his life. Let them share your love with Scott. You don't know. And on the other side, we're going to get to see it. That's the cool thing. But, but a prayerless life is a powerless life. And if you know Jesus, we're going to delve into this passage. But, but make it a priority to pray. I really believe that this year, 2019, is a year, I know for me personally, a year of contending for the presence of God. I want I want to sense his presence with me. Don't you? Isn't that what you want? Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? That's what I'm yearning for. And it says here, I want them, in uh, verse 2, I want them to be encouraged so he's he's saying this to encourage them and to be knit together by strong ties of love. This is the mark of a believer in Jesus Christ is their love, is our love for one another. And I want to go a little bit deeper into this because I think sometimes you know there's a lot of talk right now about tolerance. You know, we we want we want people want us to be tolerant. And and while Jesus never calls us to be tolerant of sin. He calls us not just to tolerate people, but to love people. That means not just, you know, kind of avoid them if you don't really get along with them, but to really, to really pray and, like Paul, to agonize in prayer for someone, and especially if you don't really like them. You know? That's when you're going to be challenged in your faith. Is when Jesus calls you to start praying for somebody that you don't really like. And for the opportunity to get to share with them. You know, there was a a, a woman, um, I just was reminded of this story. There was a woman um, that I used to play racquetball with. And um, in the natural, I did not really care for her. She was not my my cup of tea. And she wasn't very nice and um she kind of hated me and um and I really have to say that I really really struggled to like her too and um and I just remember this one time I was kind of having an attitude and the Holy Spirit just like just busted me and just said you need to pray for her until you have my heart for her and so <clears throat> I started to pray for her. It was reluctant at first, but eventually it was like the more that I would pray for her, the more God would give me a heart for her. And the more insight God gave me into her life and into her brokenness. And it was like, you know, the Lord will, a lot of times when you pray for people, the Lord will give you a special spiritual insight into their life, not to judge them or not to feel like you're better than them, but so that you can continue to lift them up to the Lord and to get to partner with God, you know? And so here Paul is saying, I want them to be encouraged and knit together. So not just tolerant of one another, but really to love people. And, and, you know, sometimes we're most challenged to love those people that are the hardest to love. But that is the truest evidence that we're disciples of Jesus. Because think about him having his beard ripped out, being beaten, spat upon, mocked, all of the things. And yet, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So so this coming year, I want to challenge you too in your relationship with Jesus. Love the people that he loves. Love the Scots. The homeless people. Love the people that are broken and are not lovable. I I was also challenged this past week. um, Came in contact with a person who... um, You know, I think that spiritually, that sometimes people that have a spirit of rejection that's tormenting them, they tend to kind of put off that rejection so that you will reject them first, you know, before... And they'll reject you. Do, you. do you ever notice that there are certain people they have legitimate, like a spirit of rejection that that torments them and tells them you're not lovable. Nobody likes you. You you're terrible. And and sometimes those people challenge us the most in our in our Christian love, don't they? Because they've got that that there's that spiritual warfare that we're contending against. And so a lot of times they'll reject through us, or I mean, the spirit will reject through us and toward us. And there was a person that I came in contact with this last week and, and, and he had a serious, serious spirit of rejection. And I watched it happen. I watched everybody around this guy just reject him. And I started kind of in that too, you know, for a number of reasons, which I won't go into, but I I just was like, oh, and the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night this one night. And, and I just started to intercede because I could feel this like spiritual, spiritual dynamic, you know, this contention. And it was like, God just broke my heart for this guy. He just totally broke my heart, and it was, I was able to see him with different eyes, and I, I even wonder, you know, going down to minister to the homeless, you know, to be able to see them with the eyes of Christ, because so many of those people that are, that are broken have been so rejected by family, and by, by friends, and by, you know, society, and, and yet, you know, we're, we're not called to just come to church and hear a message and and then just go home and eat pot roast. You know? We're called to change the atmosphere in our sphere of influence. That's what we're called to. We are called to so much more. And so here he's saying, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. And I want them to have a complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is what? What is God's mysterious plan? Christ himself. That's the mysterious plan. So many in the body of Christ think that because at one time or another, they prayed this prayer to receive the Lord, that they're, they're secure and they're set. <clears throat> and I want to say, Jesus said in Matthew 13, he said his disciples came to him and he said, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And Jesus replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of, Of the kingdom of heaven. But others are not. To those. Now get this. This is it right here. Okay. To those who listen. To my teaching. More understanding will be given. And he's not just saying. If you just listen to the Bible. He's talking about. Comprehending it. Taking it in. Making it a part of your fiber. He says. To those who listen to my teaching a.k.a. obey, okay? More understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. How many want an abundance of knowledge? Pick me. Don't you want an abundance of knowledge? It says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But, for those who aren't listening even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. I don't know about you, but this is terrifying to me. I never want to fall into this camp. I want to go deeper. Don't you? Don't you want to go deeper? It says it will be taken away from him, them. And that is why I use parables for they look, but they don't really see they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And so here in Colossians 2, 3, it says in him, in Jesus, lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I just saw this analogy of, you know, if, if there are people, let's, let's just imagine the different levels. There are people on the ocean, okay, people that are just in the boat, okay, they're just chilling in the boat. That would represent people who've never gotten out of the boat and never received Christ never received the forgiveness that Christ offers on the cross. Okay. They're just chilling on the boat. Okay. But there, there's a storm coming. Okay. They don't know it, but there's a storm coming. Then there are the people that get out of the water. They, they pray that prayer or they, you know, say that they're Christian. They get out of the water and they're just kind of like dog paddling around. That storm is still coming. And, I'm not saying that those people won't make it to heaven, but they're going to they're definitely going to miss out. Then there are the people that go under the water and they swim for a little while and then they come up to the top and they forget that there are all these beautiful things down there to discover. And then last but not least are those who go way way down. You know, you you can all picture in your minds the 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 treasure chest, right? That the pirates are all looking for in the shipwreck at the bottom of the ocean, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? That's what you have to do to get to those hidden treasures with Jesus. You have to be willing to get out of that boat and not just kind of dog paddle until the first storm hits and you're like, I'm out of here. I'm getting back in the boat. Or... Swim under the water for a little while. And then, you know, it's kind of like the parable of the seeds in a way. You know, Jesus talks about the different seeds that are along the road. Some of them get snatched up by the birds. Some of them grow a little while and then they wither. And some of them go deep and produce fruit, deep, deep, deep roots. And it's the same thing here. I just saw this picture of like this treasure chest at the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, it's uncomfortable to, to put on all that scuba gear. I'm sure. I've never done it. It's on my bucket list. But to put on that scuba gear and to dive down. And, you know, you have to acclimate your body to go down there. But that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He wants us to put on that scuba gear and delve to the bottom. Why? So that we can discover the hidden treasures. That treasure chest. And the treasures are not just material things that can either disappear or get stolen or get rusty. This is the treasure of all of the wisdom and knowledge of the God who created everything. This is what he has for us. And it says, Paul says here, he says, I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. There are different versions of this. It's saying no one will lead you astray or no one will um, delude you with well-crafted arguments. Some, some versions say plausible arguments. You know, there's a lot of people that try to describe a God that doesn't exist. You know, they try to describe how God is and, and they'll try to say it and you're, and you're like, yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. Or they'll try to say, you know, this is how God is. And this is how God acts. And, you know, and it's like, it's not the God of the Bible. You know, I remember uh, witnessing to somebody one time. And, and they started to describe how God was. And God was this mean, angry, vengeful God. And, and, and I was like, you know what? I don't believe in that God either. I don't believe in the God that you don't believe in. I believe in a God who is just. And a God who is kind and loving. And I heard something really cool last night. Um, I love Tony Evans. Do you guys like Dr. Tony Evans? He's so awesome. He was saying something. He talked about the wrath of God. The old wrath of God. And then the new wrath of God. Or the, the active wrath of God. And the passive wrath of God. And he talked about like in the Old Testament. That was like the active wrath of God. Where God would you know tell the Israelites. Go in and slaughter that, that whole city. Slaughter every one of them, right? And we reconcile that in our brains because we have to understand that God is a God of love, even though that looks like a really unloving thing. But remember, I, I talked months ago about the fact that that is the kindest thing that God could do. Even people are like, "How could a good God allow these babies to to be slaughtered?" And it's like, "Well, a good God." knows that if those babies grew up, they would become wicked just like their parents. So it is the grace of God that he allows them. I know this probably sounds like illogical. Does it? Does it sound illogical? But the, but the wrath of God is rooted in the love of God. Believe it or not. And Tony Evans was talking about now we see the passive wrath of God. That, you know, there is a principle of reaping and sowing in the Bible. You know, if you plant bad seeds, you're going to get a bad crop. If you plant good seeds, you're going to get a good crop, right? But he's saying this, he's saying, I'm saying this so that you won't get deceived by arguments about who God is. You know, things that that kind of seem to make sense. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not truth. Okay, I say this all the time and in Romans one twenty one, I don't know about you, but Romans is well, Romans is is the greatest doctrinal book you can read. If you ever want to understand the doctrine of God, Romans is the book and it says they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks and they began to think up. Does this sound familiar? Foolish ideas of what God was like. Anybody know anybody that that has a definition of God that's just totally whack? Anybody? Am I the only one? It's like they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result of thinking up these ideas of what God was like, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. You know, the Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness unto God. So in verse five, it says here, Paul says, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And then verse six, he encourages them saying, and now just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord. You must continue to follow him. You know what? I talk about the analogy of the people that just get in the water for a little while and they just, then the storm hits and they're just like, they walk away. He's saying in the same way, you know, I don't know. I don't know about you for, for your situation, but I know that what God has called each and every one of us to is that we would go down to the depths of our wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we would discover that through Christ and not just, you know, so many people are mad at God or people are disappointed in God. When really the Bible is saying, just as you accepted him and it says that we need to become as little children, accept him in that same way and just go, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. But I trust you. And you know, I cannot deny that throughout the Bible we are called to suffer. And see, the thing is, in a lot of these definitions of how God is, you know, whether it's the, the prosperity gospel, you know, if you just you know, just, a, I don't know, send in a hundred dollars, God will give you a hundredfold, you know, right? You know, like, like God somehow obligated because you send in your hundred dollars and you know, the Bible says God will provide for all of your needs, but I heard once he will not provide for all of your greeds, (laughs) you know? And the thing is that there's this, there's this idea that it's a give to get principle. That is not what it's about. Okay. So it all belongs to God. Every bit of it. Every bit of our lives, it all belongs to God. Whether we've given it over to him or not, it's all his. The earth is the Lord's and everything that dwells in it. And it's saying in the same way that you accepted Jesus, continue in him. Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. You know, I I love houseplants. And I was sitting there this morning in my prayer chair and I have this plant next to me. And I realized, oh that thing it's grown too big. So the roots can't grow deeper. I have to transplant that. And sometimes God will do that with us too. He'll bring us through a change. He'll take us through suffering or he'll take us through something so that our roots can, can grow deeper. And you know, the more desperate roots are the ones that go deeper because they want the water the most. And he's calling us to do the same thing, to be desperate for him, for those hidden treasures it says, if you let your lives be built on him, my pastor used to talk about the Jesus overlay. He'd say, yeah, we have our lives. And then we just kind of we kind of add Jesus to it. No, that's not how it is. Remember last week when Chase showed us the those boxes, no, we, you are dead. The Bible says, if you, if you have, if Christ Jesus is really your Lord, you are dead to your own agenda. You are dead to your own comfort. You are dead to the idea that it's all about you. That is not what we are called to. We are not called to live for ourselves anymore. And you know, I, every night when I go to bed in my comfy bed, because I love my bed, every night when I go to bed, I say, Lord, I thank you so much for this comfortable bed, but help me never love comfort more than I love you. You know we love our comfort, but I'm telling you, God is, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back soon. And have you guys ever seen the Goldbergs? I'm so random, I know. They're <laughs> like, get on your meds. <laughs> have you ever seen the Goldbergs? It's this TV show, and um, and it's and there's this helicopter mom. She's like the consummate helicopter mom. She, like her kids are everything to her. She worships her children, and she always says. You know, if I don't bring you lunch every day, I have failed as a mother. You know, that's always her thing. She's always talking about how she's failed as a mother. I was thinking about this last night when I was praying and praying for you guys and thinking, you know, if you guys um, stand before Jesus and you're just lukewarm Christians or you're just consumer Christians who are just here to take, I have failed as a pastor. I have failed as a leader. Because You guys, I want you to go to the bottom of that ocean and to discover those hidden treasures and to lose your lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. You know, and and again, if you had the cure for cancer and you found out your neighbor had cancer, wouldn't you tell them? Okay, we have the cure For people not having to go to hell. Does anybody in here know somebody they suspect might be going to hell? Anybody? Okay, we're not called to judge. But Jesus talked about hell a lot. There is a literal hell. And we have the cure. And yet, we don't want to offend? Or we don't want people to reject us? Like, what? Look for opportunities. You guys, I'm telling you, I cannot stress enough. Jesus is coming back. Do you want him to come back today? If Jesus came back today, would he say to you? Well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm not trying to say this to shame you at all. I'm just saying it's time for us to get serious. We live in Utah. There are a lot of broken, broken, broken people here. And they need to hear that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for their sins. There are a lot of Scots downtown who are broken people. And I'm I'm just encouraging you lose your life for the sake of the kingdom, Give give up your comfort, do something uncomfortable you know i always like to say god is in the business of distressing the comfortable and comforting the distressed right but don't live a lukewarm life don't be a consumer and if and if that is you and if that's what you want and you want to just go to church and and then leave and go home and eat pot roast that's fine but this probably isn't going to be the church for you honestly cuz jesus jesus has called us to make disciples. People like Chase was talking last week who walk so closely behind their rabbi that the dust from his feet covers them. We're called to lose our lives for the sake of the kingdom. Let your roots grow down into him. How do you do that? How do you practically do that? Well, spend time reading the letter that he wrote to us about himself to to describe who he is called the Bible. (laughs) Read it every single day. You'll never never run out of understanding because he's an eternal God. Spend time talking to him, a.k.a. prayer. Spend time listening to him and spend time with people who love him. That's it. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Be a hundred percent in. Then, then, if you do that, then your faith will go grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Do you overflow with thankfulness? Do you overflow with thankfulness? Like you are so thankful. That is the mark of a disciple is thankfulness you are so thankful and, and I just want to encourage you start giving thanks it's the antidote to so many of our emotional issues start to give God thanks think of something you can thank him thank him for her breath thank him for those mountains thank him for me no, I'm just kidding I thank him for you I do Overflow with thankfulness. Ephesians 5.20 says. Give thanks for everything. To God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks to God for everything. When your car breaks down. When your health breaks down. When your relationships break down. Give God thanks. Give God thanks. Thanks. But if you're not in him and you're not completely consumed with him, it's going to be really, really hard to give thanks. But when you're in him and you know him and you trust him and you have suffered for his name's sake, which is that to which we were called, I'd like to tell you that it's not. I'd like to tickle your ears and say, no, no, Jesus... Just add Jesus to your life and everything will be so awesome. You won't ever suffer. You won't have any problems. You will be blessed financially beyond your grit. You'll never be sick. All your relationships. I would love to tell you that. But that would make me a liar. And I don't want to be a liar. Jesus is calling us to go deeper. Is is anybody in here convicted at all? Is it just me? cuz i'm just feeling it you guys i am feeling like like yesterday on the plane it was a little embarrassing cuz i just was like jesus i just i want to know you more it, you know i just want to know him more i want to know him more and i want and i do give him thanks but i want to give him thanks more i want to overflow with thankfulness don't you So the, the mysterious plan that God has for you is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. That if you allow him to consume you, you allow Jesus to become your everything. You will be fully satisfied. Remember that quote Chase had last week? I think it was John Piper. It said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. That is a fact. God wants to be glorified in your life. He doesn't want to just kind of be a little tack on to your life. He wants to be your life. Christ is your life. And I'm telling you, he's going to call some of us to do some things that might be a little uncomfortable. He might call some of you to go to the Philippines. He might call some of you to plant churches. He might call some of you to share Jesus with your cashier at Smith's. You know, he might call you to give away a lot more money than you really actually want to. But I'm just telling you, that is when we go deep in him. We discover the hidden treasures, the mystery that he wants to reveal to us. He wants to show us this mystery, which is Christ in us. Can you stand now with me? And I'm, I'm with you guys, too, on this journey. I want you to know I'm not standing here saying, well, I have it all together and you don't. I am with you on this journey. But don't you want to know him more? Do you want to know him more and more and more? Do you want to overflow with thankfulness? Do you want to discover the hidden treasures that are buried? That mystery, all the wisdom and all the knowledge, it's available to us. So, Lord, we, we lift our hands to you, God. We want it all. Lord Jesus, we don't want to be satisfied with just adding a little bit of you to our lives here and there. And, you know, just kind of going to church and, and just living our lives as though we didn't even know you. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, God, that we would go deeper. Lord, that we would discover that all of the hidden treasures... Of the wisdom and knowledge. Which is in you. Jesus you are the plan. Lord we want to be found in you. Jesus. If you agree with me you guys. Just you know. Cry out to God. And just say God I. No longer I who live. But you Jesus. I want to be crucified. Lord. And yet I want to live in you. I want you to be my life. Lord I pray for each one of us God we would embrace that Lord make us hungry make us thirsty for your ways God make us hungry if we're not desperate if we don't even know how desperate we are show us how desperate we are Lord we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices Lord like the Bible says we want to offer ourselves to you we want to give ourselves fully to you is that? Is that you? if it is can you just raise your hand Just raise your hand between you and God. Lord, we want to be all in. God, make us yours. Show us the mystery, Lord. Reveal it to us. And we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.